everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Amen. Uh, Let there be no doubt that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come through Him. And because of that, we go to His Word today. And I want to ask you, uh, by the way, bonjour tout le monde, uh, bonjour à tous, uh, voici la question, est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Here's the question. Are you ready to study God's Word today? Oh, come on. Today we are in 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, and, and, and I just, I want to let you know here in the room, if you have not already taken out your phone to share this service, maybe on Facebook, if you're online with us right now on Facebook or YouTube, if you have not yet hit that share button for this service, I want to let you in on a little secret. My wife has taught on this passage of Scripture before. Originally, we heard Charlotte Gamble unpack some of these truths many years ago. And, and, and my wife, of 26 years of being a pastor, I, 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 I would think that she would say that every sermon I've ever delivered is her favorite. But that would not be true. But I can say without question She declares that this passage of Scripture we are going to look at today is one of her favorite stories in all the Old Testament and one of the the most, the, the, the favorite messages that we have ever unpacked. Both she's had the opportunity to teach it many years ago. I had the opportunity to teach it. And I was so excited in this series, not done yet, to be able to share it with you. In 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 4, we meet, or I'm sorry, 4 verse 8, rather, we meet an unnamed woman. We meet an unnamed woman. Her, her name was never up in lights. In other words, she, she never had a, a building named in her honor. She never became famous. She was just a regular person with regular problems. But one day, she lost everything. And for some of you, maybe that's where you are in your life right now, in a time of confusion, and you don't understand how you ended up in this place where you are right now. You don't understand why you're going through what you are going through. And if that's you, I I hope today, I want to encourage you believing that today this might be the very story that you need to hear. And so as we get started in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem. So right here at the beginning of the story, we have two names in verse 8. Elisha was a person, and Shunem was a place. Now, who was Elisha? Elisha was a great prophet of God in the Old Testament, that he was one of the most holy and powerful men of God who ever lived, and much of his ministry took place on Mount Carmel. And so Shunem was a town that was on the way to Mount Carmel. And it means that he often visited to this town on his way back and forth. And so in verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. 
who urged him to stay for a meal. And then it kind of became a habit, a habit, a, a recurring tradition, so that whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And so it says that this woman and her husband are kind of rich. They're, they're well-to-do. They have a beautiful home. And so one of the ways that they have decided that they are going to be a blessing and, and honor God is to, to share a meal with the man of God in their home whenever he passes through town. But then one day she gets an idea in verse 9. One day she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him, and then he can stay whenever he comes to us. Now, we're about to learn that this Shunammite woman and her husband are getting older. They're advancing in years, and over the years, they've never been able to have children. It's, it's just the two of them. And so here they live in this big house and they decide, well, maybe, maybe something we can do to honor God is we will we'll invite Elisha and his assistant to come and stay with us. And so they, they made a special room and so she went shopping. She took out the, the golden credit card and, and went to Ikea, the place of all holy furniture. And, and there she, she, she rang up the bill and she shopped online on Amazon. And, and, and by the time she had it all equipped, it was this beautiful guest room in their home so that Elisha would have a place to rest and relax and just have a private retreat whenever he was in town. And I wonder if there's a principle here. Before we go on to the next part of the story, I, I wonder if maybe sometimes one of the reasons we don't hear from God, I wonder if sometimes maybe one of the reasons that we, we do not receive the miracle and blessing that this woman of God is about to receive in her life is because we have not made space for God in our homes, in our lives. We've not made God our priority. And maybe you're in a place where you're, you're frustrated and you don't understand why you're not hearing from God, why God feels so distant, why you don't seem to be sensing his presence and his guidance in your life. And the question that I just want to ask before we get into the rest of the story is, have you been making space for him? Have you been making him the priority Hopefully the very fact that you came here to this place today or maybe the very fact that you're with us online today represents that maybe you are taking some steps towards making space for him. This woman and her husband, they rearranged their home. They rearranged their lives to make God a priority. And because of that, she is about to receive a miracle. And so look at what happens in verse 11. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. And so he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to her, uh, said to him, go tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? So Elisha wanted to bless her. And so the, what happens next is Gehazi, Gehazi goes downstairs 
And he finds the, the Shunammite woman and, and, he, and he, he says, Elisha just wants you to know how much he appreciates all that you've done to, to, to bless him and how you've made this special space. And, how you, and, and, and he just wonders, after all that you've done for us and the years of blessing that you've been to us, is there anything that he can do for you? Maybe he could put in a good word for you to the king or do something. And she says, oh, Gehazi, you go back upstairs and tell Elisha, I don't need a thing, that we are just super grateful to be a blessing to him and to others. And so, and so he goes back upstairs and he tells Elisha, she doesn't want anything. She says she just wants to be a blessing to others. And so Elisha will not take no for an answer. And he and, and Gehazi continue to talk. Surely we can come up with something. And then Gehazi remembers something. He says, I, I, I noticed something. Verse 14, Gehazi says, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He says, they live in this big house all by themselves. They're getting older. Her, her husband is getting older and they don't have any children. And so all of a sudden they have this, this moment where the Holy Spirit gives them the idea for a miracle. Because, because listen, God does miracles for, for people who have a generous heart. God is looking for ways to bless generous people. And in verse 15, then Elisha said, call her. And so he, he called her, and she stood in the doorway. And I want you to notice that she comes to the room, but she does not go in. And so she's standing in the doorway. Everybody, I want you to say that. I want you to get that in your mind. Everybody say doorway. She was where? In the, in the doorway. And there God gives Elisha these words, and he declares this prophecy over her. Verse 16. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord. She says, oh, no, not a baby. That's more blessing than I can handle. <laughs> but catch this. It's not that she didn't want a baby. It's actually that she wanted a baby so much. She had wanted to be a mother her entire life, and, and yet it had never happened. And so she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. The New Living Translation, she says, Oh no, man of God, please don't give my, get my hopes up. Please don't get my hopes up. And that's maybe where some of you are right now, in a doorway, where maybe like this woman, there are some hopes and dreams that you had in your life, but because they did not happen on your timeline or in the way that you had hoped that they would, you've just kind of put it away to, to try to forget about it. And maybe like this woman, you had given up hope. Maybe it's that one day your children who have walked away from Jesus might come back to him. And you've prayed and you've believed for it for years and done everything you can. And yet it seems that they have continued to walk further and further away from God. And maybe you've given up on that prayer. Maybe... It's your marriage, and you, you, you think that you've done all that you can, and you're about ready to give up because you just think it's too far gone that God could never restore things in your home. 
Maybe it's because you made a mess of something in your life. You made some big mistake and you were headed in in the right trajectory and, and it seemed like things were going well in your life, but then you made this bad choice. And now people look at you differently and you just don't think that you could ever get back to the place where you felt like you were supposed to be. In days gone by, this this woman and her husband, they had dreamed of having a baby. And year after year, they had tried and failed. And so they had given up. But then one day, she was met by the man of God in a doorway. And he spoke into the deepest disappointment of her life. And that is the day that God reopened the door of possibility. And so the Shunammite woman has a miracle baby in verse 17. It's so cool. Verse 17, the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. And so this is the greatest season of her life. She and her husband are just so happy with this miracle baby. But Charlotte Gamble teaches on this, and she says, but many times the doorway of possibility leads to a hallway of difficulty. Let's talk about hallways for a minute. Hallways are no fun, right? Hallways are not probably the greatest feature in your home. Now, it's nice to have hallways. They're a place of transportation. They get you to the place you want to be. But you do not bring everybody to your home and say, oh, look at my grand hallway. Your your hallway is just the place that takes you from one room to the next. It's a place of transport to get you to the next space in your life. And this woman is about to go through a hallway of great difficulty. Verse 18, the child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. So they're out working in the field on the farm. They're reaping the harvest. They're bringing in the crops when something bad happens. Verse 19, my head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Now, is this not the very reason that she had said, oh no, man of God, please don't get my hopes up. I don't think I can handle another disappointment in my life. And now look at what's happened. And so she went up, and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then shut the door and went out. I know this is an agonizing passage for some of you who have experienced the pain of losing a child. There are some of you who know what it's like to have the gift of a child from God and then to have them die in your arms, which has to be the worst pain that anybody could possibly experience. And with this pain, I want you to notice what she does with the body. See, this this child probably had his own bed. 
He probably had his own bedroom, but that's not where she takes him. She goes through the doorway where the promise had first been given, the place where she had met with God, and then she goes into that room and she lays him on the place that had been prepared for the prophet. Let's take for a minute about how to navigate a difficult hallway. There are three things that she does in this hallway of difficulty. Uh, When I was in middle school, I I went online and I found a picture of the school that I went to. This was called William Byrd Junior High School, just outside of Roanoke, Virginia. If some of you say, man, Joel, you don't sound like you're from around here. The reality is I was born here in New Brunswick, but I spent a lot of my growing up years in the southern states. And this is where I went to junior high school, William Byrd. And this is an old building. It was built in 1921, so it's 100 years old this year. And the hallways in this building were really narrow, with lockers crowded on each side. And so to keep things moving, there were rules for how to navigate the hallway. There were three rules in the hallway. And number one is no baggage. You would come into school carrying this big backpack with all your homework and all your assignments and all of your books and all of your junk, but once school starts, you were supposed to leave your backpack in the locker, and that's rule number one, no baggage in the hallways. And I wonder today if there are maybe some of us here who are carrying baggage, listen, listen, carrying baggage that you were supposed to leave behind. It was stuff that you had to deal with in your life, and God was going to help you deal with it, but you decided to never let it go. Maybe you have burdens and disappointments that you have held on to for far too long. And look at what this woman did. She took her son's body, and I think this body can represent her her confusion and her questions and all of her fear and her disappointment. And what did she do? She laid it down on the bed, and she closed the door. And in verse 22, she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. Now, notice this woman's husband is not even thinking about a miracle. He's moved on. He's quick to give up on the dream. He says, why bother to, to go find Elisha now? It's too late. You might as well just wait until some holy day or until the Sabbath. But notice her response. What does she say? Just three words. She says, it's all right. Everybody say it with me. She said, it's all right. I've got this. Now, guess what? Was it really all right? No, things were horrible. This is tragic. But that's the second rule in the hallway. Number one is no baggage, and number two is no chatter. There's no talking in the hallway. When I was a kid, I used to get in trouble for talking in school. Anybody else? Am I the only one? especially talking in the hallway. But when you go through a season of difficulty, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we need to know when to keep our mouths shut 
through the hallway. This woman shows us that it is possible to go through difficulty in your life without doing drama. Can, can, let me say it again. Maybe that's a book that we should write some way, someday. We could call this book, How to Do Difficulty Without Doing Drama. Here's a radical concept. Did you know that it is possible to have a problem and not post it on social media? Did you know that's amazing? Who knew? Some guys and some ladies put all their baggage out for everybody to see all the time. Tell anybody who will listen and even people who don't want to listen. But here's the problem with conversations in the hallway. See, hallways of difficulty are a place of movement. And what you say to a person in the hallway goes with that person wherever they go. And unless you know that you know that you know that you know that this person is trustworthy and, and, and spiritually mature, you can expect that whatever you share in the hallway is going to end up spreading your business to places you did not want it to go, with consequences you did not want to have. I, I know this because I have hired many people over the years and there have been people who have submitted their resume and applied for a job to work on our team. And all it took me was 10 minutes on their social media to throw their resume in the trash. Because of the business that they shared with everybody in the hallway. You see, this Shunammite woman, she didn't put it on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Where did she take it? She took her pain and her confusion and her grief, and she took it to the place of promise, and she laid it down before God and gave it to him. And when somebody came along and said, what's going on? What's wrong? She said, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. I've given it to my God. It's going to be all right. And so in the hallway, number one, no baggage. Give it to God and stop carrying it around. Number two, no chatter. Be careful who you share your business with. And no, rule number three is no loitering in the hallway. Verse 24, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. She saddled up and said, all right, let's ride them, cowboy. And she said to the servant, she said, listen, I know that I look tired and I know that I'm sad and you're gonna wanna have pity on me. You're gonna wanna slow down and stop. But I need to tell you, we have to keep pushing forward because she knew the third rule, no loitering in the hallway. You have to keep moving forward forward. Listen, God never intended for you to set up camp in the hallway of disappointment. This temporary place was never designed to be your permanent address. And many times what happens is we set up camp in the hallway of disappointment in our lives. And what happens is we, we go ahead and we set up our home there. We, 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 we bring in the TV and the, and the couch and we sit there and we hang on to our sadness and our sorrow and we've decided I'm just gonna live here from now on. And maybe it's time that somebody reminded you to get back on the donkey and ride out of that place. That God never called you to live there. He 
called you to walk through that difficult season, but not to stay there. Because listen, this temporary place was never supposed to be your permanent home. This season of difficulty was never supposed to lead to a lifetime of disappointment. And I'm here to remind you today, maybe it's time to get back on the donkey to move out of that place. And here's what happens when she gets on the donkey and rides. Verse 27, she goes to Elisha. And when she reaches the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet, and Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Now, now, now catch this. This is kind of interesting, too. Before, when she stood in the doorway, she did not have the words to articulate her distress. And so God gave the prophet insight, and he was able, he was able to help identify it for her. But now, she has to speak up for herself. Now she has to be able to, and willing to communicate her need directly. And so let's skip right to the miracle. Guess what? Are you ready for the good news? Elisha went back to the house with her. They prayed in faith. The child was resurrected. It's this whole cool thing where they prayed together and the, and the boy came back to life. Yay, happy ending. And they all lived heavily after. All lived happily ever after. All lived happily ever after. And then they never had any problems again. It was all good. Right? Wrong. Because guess what? Happily ever after is just for fairy tales. Happily ever after is not for real life. You see, in real life, filled with bumps and bruises, happy endings are always followed by more challenges. And many times I think Christians, especially who are new in their faith or maybe have not grown to spiritual maturity, don't realize that and expect that once I receive a miracle from God, it's going to take care of all my problems from that point forward. But here's what spiritually mature people have discovered, is that even after your miracle, there are still more hallways to go through. And every difficulty that is followed by a miracle becomes a miracle that's followed by more difficulties. I'm sorry to tell you that. It's hard, I know. But it's the reality of life in this broken, sinful, hurting world. And that's what we find over in chapter 8. Let's go to chapter 8, where we find that she ends up in yet another hallway of disappointment. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. How long will the famine last? Seven years. And so the woman proceeded to do as the man of God said, and she and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. And so now she has her son back, but she's lost her property. She's lost her house. She's lost her money. 
And for seven years, she has to live in a foreign land with a foreign people. Now listen, I am not speaking a prophecy over this season in life. But when I read this, just now, all of a sudden, an idea that I wonder is from the Holy Spirit just reminded me in this COVID season that pretty, long, pretty soon we will be knocking on the door of two years of going through a hallway of difficulty in our world. Now, I am not declaring that this is going to be a seven-year season. Please, Lord, help us know. Please, no. No. But it's just a reminder that these hallways of difficulty, our miracles are often not microwaved. They take time for God to be working behind the scenes. And I know for a lot of us right now, it feels like we're in a foreign land among the Philistines, and we can't imagine that we could ever get back what we've lost in this season. But here's what the Shunammite woman is about to learn. Come on now, listen. God can use the pain of this sorrow to build a greater tomorrow. Some of you have been through bankruptcy. Some of you have lost your business. Some of you have lost someone you love. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have lost your marriage. You've experienced the death of a dream. And God says, if you will turn to me and make space for me, make me your priority. If you will call out to me, I can take the pain of this sorrow, God says, and build a greater tomorrow. And so she's lost all of her land. She's lost her home. They've, they've had to go and live among the Philistines. But here's what happens next. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 4. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to beg for her house and land. And so she arrives at the gateway of the king's palace. But there's something she does not realize when she arrives at the gate. She arrives at the gate and does not realize that her old friend Gehazi is sitting there and having tea with the king. And at that very moment, the king and, and Gehazi are talking and the king is saying, oh Gehazi, it must have been amazing to work with Elisha for all of those years in ministry together. I can't imagine the amazing miracles you saw and the things that God has done. And Tell me some of those stories of, of what you've seen God do. And Gehazi says, oh, let me tell you about this one time. He says, there was this woman who lived in Shunem, and she was a faithful woman. She was a generous woman. She was a woman after God's own heart who wanted to be a blessing to others. And God blessed her with a miracle baby. But then the child died. And as he's telling this story of the resurrected child, at that moment, there's the woman. Chapter 8, verse 5. We're in chapter 8, by the way, if you didn't catch that. We're still in chapter 8. And, and some people, I, I just realized too here, I was talking with somebody from our staff this week, and they didn't know that there was more to the story of the Shunammite woman. Because it doesn't show up in chapter 4. If you just stay in chapter 4, you don't realize how she continues to go through more difficulties in chapter 8. And here's what happens. 
In chapter 8, verse 5, as Gehazi is telling the king the story of this woman, all of a sudden, at that moment, she shows up. In chapter 8, verse 5, just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to beg the king for her house and land. And so all of a sudden, as Gehazi tells the story, there she is, standing at the gate. And so the king says, well, why don't you tell me your story? I'd love to hear it from your lips. And so this woman, she tells the story of her doorways and her hallways, of her her miracles followed by difficulties and her difficulties followed by miracles, but how she and her husband had continued to persevere, how they had been faithful to God and how God had been faithful to them through the good times and the bad, through the ups and the downs. But when she gets to the story, she says, but king, I've lost everything. I'm here to ask if we can come home. And I need you to know I've lost everything. And in verse 6, then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give back to this woman everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day that she left the country until now. Don't miss this. She she got it back with interest on top. In the end, God not only restored to her what she had lost, but gave her even more than she had lost. And listen, that's why you need to not get stuck in your hallways of disappointment. Because this woman, she continued to be faithful. This woman had had stood faithfully in, in the doorway of possibility. She had been generous to others. She had been a blessing to others. And when she faced the hallways of of disappointment. She kept pressing into God. And for some of you, you are about to reach that gateway of great blessing that you thought was never going to arrive when God is going to restore to you the years that you sowed in tears. Some of you have never heard that song. It's an old song that uh, the church that I used to serve in Alabama used to sing from the, uh, the Black Gospel Songbook. I don't know if you've ever heard these words before, but it reminds me so much of this story. In the song, God says, Lend me your ears, thus said the Lord, just to know that my word will not return void. Your time I sustained, there's no need to fear. I'm restoring the years you've sown in tears. I'm restoring the years you've sown in tears. So lift up your hands, receive from the Lord your broken spirit, receive from the Lord, deposit this word, there's no need to fear, I'm restoring the years 
you've sown in tears. He's restoring the years you've sown in tears. Would you stand? Lord, all the glory to you. All the glory to you, Heavenly Father. As we thank you for this great story of this amazing woman with her faith and her courage, her, her generosity, her perseverance. And Lord, we pray for those today who are standing in a doorway. Maybe they have some hopes and some dreams that they've boxed up and put away. They, they, they've, they've quit believing that you could ever work in that area of their lives or for that person they've been praying for. And today, maybe you want to speak to them about a miracle, to, to not stop praying, to not stop believing, to continue to be faithful to that desire that you put in their heart just as you will be faithful to complete it in your time. Lord, we pray for those today who right now are in that hallway of difficulty and disappointment. And Lord, I know in a crowd this size with those who are here in the room and those who are online, that there are surely a number of people who are stuck in their disappointment. They have continued to carry their baggage and have not been willing to let it go and give it to you. And right now, in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the author of salvation, who sent Jesus to be our rescue, our salvation and has given us the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to illuminate his word. Right now, if that's you and you realize that God's been speaking you, to you today, that you've been holding on to something that you were supposed to let go of, right now in your heart, will you just confess it? Confess it and give it to God right now and get back on your donkey to ride out of that place. Lord, we pray. We pray today for those who are in the gateway. Like the Shunammite woman, there are some of us who have lost so much. It feels like the world has taken so much away from us. And yet we're here today. We're here today. Believing in you. Believing in the promise that you have put in our hearts. And maybe for some today, the reason that you have been in this season of loss is because God has been trying to get your attention. 
Maybe the reason that you're in this season of difficulty and, and this hopelessness is because God is trying to get you to realize that really there is no hope in this world apart from Christ Jesus. And right now, if that's you, know that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be forgiven and set free from that bondage. And right now in your heart, would you just invite him to come in and say, Lord, I confess my sin. Father, I confess my selfishness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. Come in and wash me clean, Lord. Wash away all of my sinful desires and, and my selfishness. Wash away my disappointment and broken dreams so that I can begin again fresh in you. And if you prayed that prayer, you can mark this day as your day of salvation, your breakthrough moment. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. But in Christ Jesus, we have everything that we need knowing that the work that he has begun in us is not finished. He is not done yet. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.